Morning, church. That was a beautiful song, man, that last one. Man. Let's hope the uh, All Blacks won't be as soft as I am this morning. Should be a good game. We're going to need our Bibles today, church. Um, Those that are first-time guests here. So if you've got a Bible next to you, uh, feel free to reach out and, and grab it. If you are new to church or new to Christianity, um, you may even have questions about faith or God. I will guide you every step of the way because I'll be preaching from the same Bible. So I'll call out page numbers and you'll be able to follow along. So don't feel afraid of grabbing a Bible. You're also going to need a booklet. So if you, if you forgot your booklets, just raise your hands nice and high and we'll bring a booklet to you. Pens are out on the chairs. Um, and we'll get a booklet to you so you can take the notes. One of the things I love about notes is that I received an email two weeks ago from um, an elderly lady from our church. And she says, I love the notes because I don't see you. And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> she goes, I see God. And that's the purpose of why I'm here. Um, you shouldn't be seeing me. You should be seeing God through his word and through the promises that we write down in these booklets. I love taking notes because it got me out of a dark time in my life. I was able to see what the preacher was trying to preach and get through. So um, get a booklet, put it in your hands, and you'll be able to follow along. If you haven't been here for the last few weeks or you're visiting for the very first time, a few weeks ago we began a, a journey on a sermon series called Finding Hope. And the series looks at four choices that you can make in order to find hope, no matter what life throws at you. And so the reason why these look at four choices is because hope itself is a choice. Hope is not something that just happens to you. Hope is something that you need to choose to have. And so part one, we looked at choosing to transform rather than transfer, which is looking at God and trusting him with our pain, that he could transform it. And if we didn't choose to transform it, that we would transfer our pain, our suffering, our insecurity, our guilt, our shame, generally to those that we love the most. Choice number two was choosing to be okay with not being okay. And that was just us being okay with our messiness. That we don't have this this idea that comes out that once you give your life to Jesus Christ, that you've got to be a Christian that's got it all together. That you can't have any doubts, you can't ask questions, and that's far from the way of the community that I want to raise in terms of God's church. We should be okay with the questions that we have. Uh, We should be okay um, being okay with our messiness. And so pretty much that was just a challenge for us to be an authentic community. Um, It's a lot better for our first-time guests to come in and see that we're messed up, but we have the hope of glory of Jesus Christ in us, as opposed to us being perfect. And them saying, well, I'm never going to fit into that community. So we've got to be okay with not being okay. Last week, we looked at choosing to trust rather than please, which was looking at two lanes. Lane one was generally, it looks heroic, it looks very Christian to go down lane one where you can work on your own sin. Uh, Lane two was trusting God with your own sin. Um, So we looked at Hebrews 11 verse 6, which was, if you're in lane two, a byproduct of lane two, trusting God with your sin was pleasing God. But if you went on lane one, you can do all you want, but you're never ever going to please him unless you trust him. You ready for the word? Let's do this. Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, Jesus, 
your only son, an eternal spirit. My life is in your hands. I'm ready. I know you're ready, Dad, so let's do this. Lead me, guide me, walk before me, and I shall follow. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. I was at um, my oldest son Jordan's basketball. He was playing for Avondale High School at Broadmeadow. And it was, he just finished the game, so I was on the court shooting around. And as I was shooting around, one of the teachers from Avondale School came up to me. And he greeted me with an awesome, you know, greeting. He was like, hey, Nimrod, how are you going? And then all this anger, just Hulk was coming out of me, you know. And I looked at this guy, and he used to teach me at Sydney Adventist College. And I, was, I said to him, why are you greeting me like this? And he just looked at me. He's like, what? I said, man. I said, you need to go over there, man. Like this. And he just looked at me. He was like, what? I said, do you remember what you did to me at school? And he says, no. I said, I was in year eight. I'm a shy kid. And I still remember the kids that were messing around. I still know their name, but I won't say it because this goes online. Um, <laughs> And these kids were messing around, but this teacher just picked on me, just kept, hey, Nimrod, oh, shush, hey, Nimrod, oh. And I was like, sir, it's not, anyway, he got so angry, he said, you know, your kind, you know, I'm not afraid of your kind. And I went, oh, wow, this guy, oh, oh, mate, that's a line now, man. And then he looked at me and he says, you think you're tough, mate? All right, let's go outside. How's he right? I looked at this guy, and I thought, is this guy serious? But I grew up on the streets of Bankstown in Mount Jewett, so we don't back down. <laughs> so I looked at him, and I said, all right, sir. So I walked outside, and I waited out there. He never came out. He never came out. I was standing outside just, is there anyone out? Not jokes, I wasn't there. <laughs> I just made that part up. He never came outside, but when he came and greeted me this day, all this anger came up. And I just wanted to extend a righteous, holy uppercut, you know. But I'm sure I could find a Bible verse for that one. But, but I did it, and I just looked at him, and he just went, I didn't know, I didn't know I did that. And he goes, I'm sorry. And I said, everything in me didn't want to let this go. I, I wanted to get him. In fact, I actually said to him, well, you know what, you know what we can do? We can go outside now, let's sort it out, and then we'll come back in and then we'll, we'll greet, you know? And he goes, no. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, because you know, I got you, man, you know? So anyway, I forgave him and then I shook his hand. And then the real test came when I went to college, Avondale College. And he rocked up as a, as a lecturer. And I'm seeing him in the distance and I'm walking and I'm like, oh, hey, strangely enough, there's nothing in me, you know? That's it's okay. And I went, hey! I almost said his name. <laughs> how are you, man? And he's like, hey, man, how's it going? He goes, would you like to have a coffee? I said, yeah, let's have a coffee. So we, uh, that was decaf coffee for those online. Um, so we went and had, um, we had a, a decaf coffee and we talked. And I looked at him and I thought to myself, this is pretty cool. That now I'm talking to this guy, this guy that I must have hated for how long. But the reason why I tell you that story is because... We are looking at the issue, when you look at your booklet, it tells you, we're looking at this issue of forgiveness. And it's not a, a, an easy issue. And if, you're, if you've arrived here for the first time and you haven't caught the other weeks, um, this is a, a pretty heavy one. But I want you to understand that my love for God extends to you guys, and so therefore I have to be 
honest with the word of God. And so some of the things that I say is going to be a bit sensitive. But after what I say, there's a class that happens here where you can ask any questions. So please feel free to come forward because I don't want you to leave and go, ah. And I want you to come and you can share your your questions with me and we can have a healthy dialogue um, as we move forward. But understand that if you're new to Christianity, you've got a hall pass. But if you're a Haven member or regular attendee of Haven, I'm coming for your heart. Okay, I'm coming for your heart. So, sanguines and pragmatics, they believe they are easy forgivers. Melancholics, they don't forgive easily. Melancholics will actually resent you to the day you die. And they'll enjoy doing it too. They'll lap it up in your misery and ignore their own. The choleric, they give themselves for being easy forgivers. And on the surface, they do, but they really hold on to it. Sanguines, well, they are the most deceptive about forgiving. They, they think they're very nice. And they forgive very easy. But once a sanguine is hurt, <laughs> they have a difficult time trusting again. Which is a sign they haven't really forgiven. Plegmatics. They tend to be nice on the surface and peaceful and give themselves a lot of credit for being easy forgivers. But once a phlegmatic is hurt, they can hold resentment very deeply and act it out in other ways that they don't even recognize. So each quadrant where we all fit in have their own issues with forgiveness. But where I want to start, if you look at your booklets, is three obstacles with forgiveness. There's many obstacles. There's more than just the three, but there's three that I want to concentrate on. And so number one is this. Forgiveness is not condoning. Forgiveness is not condoning. And number two, forgiveness is not reconciling. Forgiveness is not reconciling. And number three is that forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Let's dive into this a little bit more. We will engage our Bibles right at the end, church, okay? Forgiveness is not condoning. So forgiveness does not mean that you condone what someone has done to you that was wrong. Forgiveness does not mean that you excuse what someone did. Forgiveness is not the same thing as excusing someone. And it does not mean that you decide to tolerate the injustice because we should fight injustice at every turn. So forgiveness is the opposite of excusing. Now, forgiveness says we both know that what you did was wrong and without excuse. But since God has forgiven me, I forgive you. And because forgiveness deals honestly with sin, it brings a freedom that no amount of excusing or condoning could ever hope to provide. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. This one was a difficult one for me, but I'm totally convinced on it now. Sometimes you cannot reconcile with people when it comes to forgiveness. Paul in Romans 12, 18 says that if it is possible, live at peace with one another. Sometimes it's just not possible. If the other person is not willing to acknowledge their part, uh, to, to, to confess or repent what they have done to wrong you, then how do you reconcile that? You cannot build a relationship safely on, on, um, on, on lies, but you can only build it on truth. And so without truth, there's no trust. Without trust, there's no relationship. So forgiveness is sometimes not reconcil- uh, reconciliation. Forgiveness is not forgetting. This one is a tough one. 
You get those Christians that quote Isaiah 43, 25, where they say, well, you just got to forget, mate, you know, because God says he forgets my sins, you know, Isaiah 43, 25. And I disagree with that. It's, God may choose to forget your sins, but it's not like he just forget it ever happened. But forgetting is a passive process in which a matter just happens to fade from memory. But forgiving is an active process which involves a conscious choice and a deliberate course of action. So again, forgiveness doesn't mean you forget, excuse, tolerate, or overlook. Rather, it means you choose the way of love over hate, letting go of your right to hurt them back. So forgiveness, in your booklet says, authentic forgiveness is never cheap. Authentic forgiveness is never cheap. And so we come, we come to our fourth choice. And our fourth choice is this as a church. Choosing to free people rather than hurt people. Choosing to free people rather than hurt people. This is guy, Paul, in the scriptures. He was a real gangster. He was a real hated Christians, persecuted Christians, and then he became a Christian. And he wrote these words to the church. He said, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So we forgive because God has forgiven us. How does Jesus or God forgive? He is faithful and just to forgive us, just as uh, we should be faithful and just to forgive others. But what really opened my eyes to this text was, God doesn't forgive everyone. Can you see it? He only forgives those who confess. And that really opened up my my eyes. But even the next verse said, If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. And when you look at this, it says that if you have a Christian, call yourself a Christian, and you've never bowed your knees before God and said, Man, I'm sorry, you're a liar. If you've never bowed your head and just confessed to God and said, You know, what I did to that person was wrong. God says we cannot have a relationship. Your your relationship with God is not authentic. And what's true with us and God is also true with us and other people. Old Testament, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive what? Mercy. This next part I'm excited about. It disturbed me early this week, but I'm excited today. Pastor John Den, uh, been in the ministry for, I don't, is he here? Oh, there he is, Pastor. He recommended a few weeks ago a book called um, The Five Languages of Apology. And as I was just going over the sermon this week, I remembered the name, the book, you know? And I went, oh, maybe I should try and find the book. Yeah, I shouldn't have. Because it changed the course of the sermon. So I had to re. Re- rewrite it to try and to bring this in because I just really opened up my eyes to something I've never ever seen before and so I hope you get blessed by it I'm going to take my time because I don't want to fumble through it but it's a great book it's written by Gary Chapman and Jennifer Thomas uh, the five languages of apology pretty much what he's saying is this he, he picks up that there's an offense that takes place when people hurt us And then there's normally forgiveness. As Christians, we always talk go straight to forgiveness. But he says there's this step before forgiveness, 
which is the apology. And so his whole book focuses on the apology. And so they surveyed thousands of people, and they found out that the responses of people landed in five categories. And so what he said was, in the, in the, in the part between apology and forgiveness, there's this, this journey where you determine whether someone's apology is sincere or not. And if you choose that, if you believe that the apology is sincere, you forgive them. But if you judge that the apology is not sincere, then you don't forgive them. And so then he comes up with these, these five, uh, five languages. There's an example in the book that talks about these two ladies and um, they're, they're workmates. And one of the ladies looks at her friend and could see there's something wrong. And she says to this lady during the break, goes, hey, is everything okay between us? You know what your problem is? You never apologize. What do you mean? Well, you know what you did a few weeks ago? Yeah. Well, you never apologized to me. And the lady turns and says, well, I, I, I said I was sorry. Yeah, you said you were sorry, but you never asked me to forgive you. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I value our friendship. Will you forgive me? Yes. And then I just carried on like nothing happened, you know? And so, see, this lady was authentic. She said, I'm sorry. But this other lady needed to hear her say, will you forgive me? Because that was her language. And so the reality is, is that we've all been brought up in different homes. We've been taught how to apologize by our parents or somebody of influence. Um, So maybe you've got little Johnny who is running around and hurts his sister. And the parents go, hey. Go say sorry to your sister. Johnny runs over to the sister. Doesn't really mean it. I'm sorry. Johnny grows up 30 years later. He's married, hurts his wife. What does Johnny say? I'm sorry. Because that's how he's learned. So we've all learned how to apologize differently. So we're just going to go through some of these love languages. Oh, love languages. Apology languages. And here we go. First one is this. Expressing regret. It's just simply saying, I'm sorry. Some of us, to hear I'm sorry is enough. And what he says in the book is, when you say I'm sorry, you can't just leave it there. You've got to add the offense. I'm sorry that I was late and now you're late to your date with Mel to get to the movies or something like that. That's not a real life example because I'm a pretty good husband, I think. But that book also talks about not adding a but in your apology. I'm sorry, but if you do that, you're going to have a sorry but, I think. (laughs) Because he says if you add a but, what you're doing is you are blaming them for your poor behavior. So just say I'm sorry and what the offense is. The other one, second language was accepting responsibility. I was wrong. There is no excuse for what I've done. And for some people, they love that. When you can say, you know what, I'm, I'm wrong. It was my, you know, my responsibility. And so for many people, he said that they struggled just to get to this point to admit I'm wrong. And one of the things that gets drawn out here is that you've get, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but it really resonated with me. But someone had an offense against me in my own family, and they said this to me. I said, hey, you know, we sort it out. And the response came back, you know what? I'm good with God. I spoke to God and I've, I've asked God for forgiveness. If you can't handle that, that's your tough luck. 
wow, how do I deal with that? You know, I was angry. You know, and Jesus speaks into this. In Matthew 5, in particular verses 23, 24, Jesus says, and this is first century because we don't bring animals to sacrifice today. Um, but in the Bible, they bring their sacrifices to the altar. And Jesus says that if you come to the altar and all of a sudden you remember you've got an offense against someone or someone has an offense against you, leave your sacrifice and go and be reconciled to that person. And what God is saying is, I'm eternal, man. I've got all the time in the world. I can wait. But your brother or your sister that's got something against you or you against them, they can't wait. Go make it right and then come back to me. So anybody that says, hey, I've prayed about it, you need to get over it, it is grossly unbiblical and grossly unchristian. So don't let them get away with it. Third one is making restitution. What can I do to make this right? This is just trying to accept and that you're going to try to make some changes and, um, and extend grace. The fourth language is genuine repenting. I don't try, I'll try not to do this again. This is a tough one. And um, when I think about my own relationship, this is probably a tough one for the girls. You know, when you're dating, because you'll have a guy that's constantly wrestling with change and you know you want him to change and he constantly promises you he's going to change. Um, I'm talking about myself now, um, but we never change. It's because we never really learned this one. We never really learned to say, I'm really sorry, you know, this thing that I have about me, I really need to change. Can we come up with a plan and sort this out? Um, never really, we never really get to this language. So this one was a real eye-opener. So if you've got a man that's like this in this one, ladies, um, you, you just need a lot of patience. That's <laughs> all I can say for you. Yeah, you need a lot of patience and trust that he's going to actually try and change. The last language is requesting forgiveness. Will you please forgive me? The book says that this is the most difficult one to ask. I don't know if you've ever asked this, but um, I've asked this one. And it hurts. I hate this one. Um, I've I've asked it of my kids. I've asked it of my wife. Um, But the the book says this is the most difficult one for people just to get in there and say, hey, will you forgive me? Why is this so important to God? Let's go to our word. Come with me to page number 775. 775. If you're a first-time guest, you got a whole pass. Page number 775. Matthew 6, and we're looking at verse 12. So we're on the home stretch. Matthew 6, verse 12, page number 775. There's two columns there. So on the right-hand column, just come down, you'll find a little number, number 12. And that's where we're going to begin our reading for today. Now follow along if you're there. Verse 12. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Guess what the biggest word in that verse is? 
the biggest word in that verse is as. And I said that very slowly in case I added an extra S there. <laughs> as. That is the biggest word in that verse. Catch this if you got your pens. That word as has a double meaning. Time and manner. And it means this. Forgive us or forgive us when we forgive. Time. Now, the other meaning, manner. Forgive us in the same manner as I forgive others. So what does this mean? It means, Nimrod, if you're a begrudging forgiver, God says, you know what? I'm going to allow you to experience begrudging forgiveness from me. If I say, hey, man, I'm going to forgive you next week. Well, then I spend a week without God's forgiveness. If I say I'm going to play hardball with you and not forgive you, God says I'm going to play hardball with you. In case you're wrestling with this, come down to verse 14. Verse 14 on the same page says this, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Follow me now. The only one thing Jesus re-emphasizes in his prayer is forgiveness. The forgiveness you receive is limited to when and how you forgive others. God is basically saying, I'm going to deal with you the way that you deal with other people in your life. And so the reality is this, church. The time it takes you to forgive is a reflection of your relationship with God. And an unforgiving person cannot be saved how serious is this Exodus 34 6-7 says this God is passing by Moses and he describes himself in five things God says I'm merciful I'm gracious I'm slow to anger I'm forgiving I'm truth and out of the four or five things that God says he is four of those things are in the forgiveness mood so what does that mean it means forgiveness is the most important characteristic of God and since God is love then forgiveness is the most powerful manifestation of his love forgiveness is the most important characteristic of God and since God is love then forgiveness is the most powerful manifestation of his love the final point in the booklet says the only thing that gives us fallen messed up people the power to extend grace to anyone is the experience of being forgiven by a holy God the experience of being forgiven by a holy God I'm not going to romanticize anything. I know some of us are dealing with some heavy stuff that we've had some things done to us that really hurts and it's difficult. And so I'm not trying to romanticize anything and try and put the hard word and say, hey, just do it because, you know, you're a Christian. Forgiving is a very difficult process, especially some of the things that this world deals to us. It can be very hard. 
But the reality is, is that if we don't choose to forgive, we're the ones that suffer. And because we're the ones that suffer, the reality of this quote is, hurt people, hurt people. But what God desires for his community, his church, is that he set us free by the sacrifice of his son so that he can have a community so that free people can free people. And that's what he desires for our church, is to have this forgiving nature characteristic about us. But that's not easy. I have one person that I wrestled with for a long time in my family that I think it was three and a half years. Three and a half years it took to reconcile. So when I say it's difficult, I'm with you. But when we are trusted so much by God that he's sending people to our church and we don't know how to forgive his trusting will end but if we learn to be a forgiving community and to set people free how much more can God send and trust to our church I was asked this morning by an older man of our church he said tell me the big picture this morning he said what's the big picture of what we're doing here and I said church and school fulfilling the mission of the church that's how simple it is but he began to share how some people don't get that we exist for CCAS And that broke my heart. God is trusting us. I don't know if you can feel him. I don't know if you can experience him. But people are coming. He's trusting us. But we have to choose to be a forgiving community. Last night I was with at Terrical Beach. I almost felt like I was there to party, man. Because there were just so many people walking around and I bumped into Stuart and Jackie. Um, and I told them, they go, hey, what's going on? The youth are here. I said, yeah, yeah, we're just going to go to the clubs. Whoa. But I was just joking. <laughs> or was I? <laughs> but I was with this young man. I was with this young man. And he was sharing about how he loves our young people. Because even though he's got a lot of junk... He feels that our young people do not judge him. So he comes. He lights up a cigarette right next to me. I turn and I see I see M, M Hone, sitting on a chair. And I say, No! She's pregnant, man. Let's go for a walk down here. And we took him off to the side. I said, Yes, light up. He's struggling. I put my hand over to help him. You're a pastor. It wouldn't work. So I said, go into the bathroom. So he went into the bathroom, lights up, he comes out. And he goes, you know, 
about God, man. Just love it, eh? Church, church. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, that's church. Stand in the presence of his pastor and light up his cigarette. That's the church I want. That's the church God desires. That people can come just as they are. Broken, messed up and find hope in this church because of Jesus Christ. That's what I want to build. Not my church, but God's church. Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, Jesus, your only son and beautiful spirit. Lord, we know you're here. We know your presence is filling this place, our school, our church. We know that your, your vision is in the heart of our, our, our leader and Tony Kent, Lord. We know that you're leading him. We can see that he's bringing us to a place where you need us to go. Lord, we can see what you're doing here in our church and the people that you're trusting to us. But Lord, there's still things that we got to chip out of ourselves to bring ourselves to a point where we know that we exist to serve and glorify you in and through this school. And sometimes that's difficult for us to see because we want to hold on to things. But Lord, I just pray that you set us free. So help us to be a forgiving community to set those three that we come in contact with. Lord, some of us are dealing with some heavy things. And um, this message may challenge them to say, well, it's very difficult for me to go and approach that person that did this to me. But Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will work within them and work with the other party and somehow, some way that they can begin this process of of forgiveness so that they can be set free. Because free people, free people. This is my prayer offering Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.